Welcome to The Score Podcast. Welcome again to The Score Podcast, where we always speak to the most innovative groundbreakers and content creators in the financial services industry. Hot off the press, in an effort to compete with ChatGBT, Google yesterday, as of the day of this podcast recording, launches BARD, its supercharged chatbot. The machines aren't coming, the machines are already here. I'm Jeff Richardson, host of The Score Podcast. That was perhaps a little melodramatic, but there are some industry experts that believe some AI models have achieved some level of self-awareness. Yikes. And this is actually only one aspect of the fintech industry, which was sizzling in 2021 and the beginning of 2022, but has cooled off a little bit more recently. To dig into what I admit is a broad fintech topic, today we are joined by Mary Wisniewski, editor-at-large and director of content at Quarterstone Advisors. She's covered digital banking and fintech for more than 12 years. Previously, I knew Mary as senior director for Bankrate.com, and before that, one of the go-to journalists that covered fintech for American Banker. Her work has appeared in the Associated Press, the Los Angeles Times, Bank Director, MSN, and many, many more. Mary is a frequent speaker at a variety of lending digital banking events, including the Money Experience Summit, Finnovate, and Fintech Meetup. I'm sure we've all seen her there. She's also the judge on Fintech Uncut, a weekly Zoom quiz show on Fintech news. Maybe I'll get an invite. And the leading creator of Fintecking with Mary, a monthly newsletter on Fintech happenings published on LinkedIn. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I'm so happy to be here. All right. So you just got back from one of the big events for banks and fintechs, and and you're often on the circuit, as they say. So what are you hearing? What are the three top fintech trends or narrative for 2023? Trends are always in motion, but I was just at Bank Directors Acquire or Be Acquired event, which is a lot of bank CEOs. I think it was over 1,700 people there, but certainly fintech played a role too. And the talk there, especially for like community bank, was on like how to grow deposits. And so a lot of focus was on ways to spruce up digital onboarding. And I know that's like something we've often talked about over the years, probably over a decade, (laughs) but it's still, it is still among the trends within digital banking and within fintech. I'd say another trend was, you know, it's the sad trend. It's of the layoffs at a bunch of tech companies and also on the other side of that coin is how to recruit that type of talent. And data portability got quite a few shout outs at this most recent event as well. So we all read a lot of the headlines early last year where valuations were skyrocketing and the venture capital money was flowing. Where are we in that cycle? We know that it's calmed down a little bit. And what are the additional efforts that an early stage fintech has to make in order to raise capital? Are there certain sort of categories of fintechs that are more in favor than others? This is one of those terrifying (laughs) questions, I would say, at least if you're like the startup seeking money. I mean, funding has returned to pre-pandemic norms. So, you know, some in the industry say this is like the night after a wild party, right? Because it was so sizzling during the pandemic for plenty of fintech companies. But now it's definitely, let's say it's not as fun, not as splashy, but it is no reason to stop creating the thing that you think needs to be created. And what can a fintech startup do to help raise money? Honestly, it's it's just tough. It's really tough out there right now. But 
you know, one thing that I hear again and again is don't close any doors. And that includes like selling to, you know, let's say a bank, but also to perhaps another fintech company. That last question of what areas of fintech are still set up to raise money. Some of the things that do well still in this kind of market are anything that helps reduce fraud, of course. I feel like that's always true and it's certainly true now. I would say climate technology, that is still something that is very intriguing to plenty of people. And speaking of intriguing, as well as to your intro, chatbots, conversational AI is (laughs) certainly an area of focus for VC funding, payments, I would say as well, and small business, new products and services for small businesses is another area. That is a number of categories. So I think maybe the message given both of those answers is that if you are a fintech, you've got opportunity ahead of you. So let's talk a little bit about AI. You mentioned it and I I mentioned it in the, the intro. We know that financial institutions are already using AI and ML. Vantage Core actually used some machine learning in the development of Vantage Core 4.0, but it's most commonly used, as you mentioned, in fraud prevention and in chatbots. But are there areas where AI is pushing the envelope and being used in an avant-garde way? Is chat GPT going to be making consumer lending decisions anytime soon? Well, I hope not soon because I feel like that would be a big... big problem from a regulatory perspective and from a fairness perspective, just because there's a lot of biases and false information that's still happening with that kind of experience. But, you know, that said, it's one of those irresistible topics right now. Like I was testing some queries with ChatGPT and it's rather remarkable what it spits out, but that certainly is not a reason to make lending decisions based on that. I think you follow this area. What I mean, what are some of the biases you see with AI right now? Yeah, I'll go through an example also in my outro, but the big concern I think we have and we hear from consumer advocates is what goes in tends to come out and lending in this country has not been done in an equitable way. And so if you base an algorithm on solely the historical way in which lending has been done, you're going to see those trends repeat themselves. So that is a big concern when it comes to bias that that we have. Yeah, I mean, and that is that is a huge concern. And and if you look at it too, like the chatbot experience like that a bank, a typical bank or a credit union, especially a credit union has rolled out, you know, it's more like FAQ kind of stuff. It's not what we're talking about here, which is much more avant-garde, if you will. But I was actually listening to a podcast that my colleague Ron Shevlin does called What's Going On in Banking. And, you know, I was talking about chatbots and and one of the use cases they were chatting about, about chatbots was just how like internal employees could use it to like, you know, maybe you're newer to a bank or a credit union and you don't even know what products and services you have. So you could use this kind of conversation as your personal cheat sheet. It's undeniably useful, and you can imagine a company like VantageCore might take advantage of some way to help educate consumers in a, in a much more efficient way. There's so many questions they have that could be easily answered if they can just get the right information at the right time. Let's talk about you next. Earlier in your career, you worked for some of the most recognizable financial services media outlets that we know. But you didn't make a move towards producing your own content and have built kind of a brand as a fintech thought leader, expert, and analyst. So take me through that decision and process. And is this all that you expected it to be? Or were there some surprises along the way? 
Well, there's definitely always some surprises, but, you know, I learn things by doing things. So, you know, when I was in a role of being a traditional reporter, you know, that's how I, of course, learned about all these important issues within the industry. But I also have like a kind of a bold personality, bold voice. And I always thought, wow, this is like such interesting information. The stakes are so high. Lots of people should know this, but it's like everyone's like writing about this or talking about this in a really dull sort of way. It'd be easy to make this more jazzy. So then I started thinking like, okay, well, I have a voice so I can start playing around with what I'm learning. And I often think about when I'm creating my own stuff that isn't for someone else's brand. It's like, okay, so I follow the news, the trends on any given day, but I like to think of how I treat it as like, an editor's note in a magazine or the front of the book of a magazine where you're you know shining the spotlight on things that aren't necessarily newsy but they're odd and they're quirky and they deserve attention and that's sort of what I'm drawn to when I'm doing my own content be it on video or a newsletter or maybe even a traditional story I I'm, I'm always passionate about a storyline that feels counterintuitive once a journalist always a journalist right <laughs> I do love the profession. So last question before we let you go, you mentioned the layoffs in the fintech industry, but not everyone is laying off. Some are actually hiring and they're seeing all these headlines of these layoffs. Do you have any advice for companies that that are looking for talent out there? Where's the supply? So I have advice for two different audiences. So I just happened to write something for a trade pub called Credit Union Management, and it was on this theme. And so for like a credit union or a bank trying to recruit this type of talent, they need to switch it up a little bit. So a couple of ideas I had in mind was like, you got to be where the fintech people are, which is often, you know, I think a lot of traditional financial services people like to hit the golf course to network. But when I go to a lot of the fintech events, it's like, hey, we're doing yoga today or we're going on this hike and you can make connections in that way. And I think that's a great way to recruit new talent. I think work from home policies really matter. If you're trying to recruit someone more entrepreneurial, you're probably going to need to be more flexible in your work from home policy. And, and this is also applicable to a bank or a credit union wanting this type of talent. Go to LinkedIn. Like there are shared spreadsheets showing, you know, maybe right after a layoff, there's a spreadsheet showing of like who is available now to hire that was just let go. You'll see a lot of updates of like, I'm looking for work. I think it's like a natural place to go. And also like look at different meetups, tech meetups in your neighborhood, show up there, like go to places maybe you wouldn't normally go and just have some conversations, but also definitely like hit up LinkedIn because there's a lot of people wanting work right now. Thank you, Mary. So you can catch a lot of Mary's content on LinkedIn, but where else can they find your stuff? Oh, yeah. So I I mean, now I'm full-time at Cornerstone Advisors and we do a number of podcasts and the blog, the Gonzo blog. So follow me either on our Plugged In podcast or what's going on in Banking podcast with Ron Shevlin, Fintech Hustle with Sam. You can find wherever I am on LinkedIn as well and follow me on Fintecking with Mary. I usually list where I'll be and yeah, always on the hunt for intriguing information. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And really, we got to have you back on the SCORE podcast. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks so much, Jeff. So we had a little fun during the intro talking about AI, but as we talked about, this is serious stuff. Of course, the applications and innovations and benefits, at times, they boggle the mind, but the risks aren't. I'm summarizing here, but Fast Company did some research and a little project, and they looked hypothetically at employee performance evaluations. 
ChatGPT was asked to write basic performance feedback for a range of professions. And according to the article, and I'll, I'll start quoting from it, ChatGPT started baking gendered assumptions into otherwise highly generic feedback. For certain professions and traits, ChatGPT assumed employee gender when it wrote feedback. For instance, a bubbly receptionist is presumed to be a woman, while an unusually strong construction worker is presumed to be a man. So here's an example that the article also mentioned. Quote, ChatGPT ascribed gender to certain traits. For example, when the prompt described the employee as confident, ChatGPT's written feedback is gender neutral 60% of the time, male 30% of the time, and female 10% of the time. When the prompt used the word ambitious, ChatGPT writes gender neutral feedback 70% of the time, male pronouns 20% of the time, and female pronouns 10% of the time. So this is a common AI theme we read about, and you can imagine how corporations, lenders especially, would have deep concerns about using this type of technology. And this is a story we're definitely going to come back to, and we'll have Mary back for sure. I'm Jeff Richardson, and I look forward to our next conversation. The views and opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of VantageScore Solutions. Visit VantageScore.com to learn more.